0: And the title of the message tonight as well is, is, it's what if, and then what if we just trusted God? The, the outcome is way better trusting God. Yes, sir. It is. It's just, it, it, it should go without saying, but it is, as we even look in the text that we're going to here tonight, that it is, why do we delay And why do we only go so far sometimes in trusting God and his wisdom? And and, and trusting God's not just for the things that we have, right? It's not just for a job. It's not just for food. I mean, it is in every aspect of our life. And so if we would, if you're able, Proverbs chapter 3, let's stand. We'll just read these two verses. Many of you know it by memory. I'm sure most of our young people do. It's one that's taught, and it's good to know. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine understanding. And then it says in this, In all thy ways. And that's going to be a thought that we really, as we go through this tonight, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy pass. Verse seven is a great verse that goes with it too. We're going to focus on these two and in our text tonight of second Samuel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless here tonight. Dear only Father, Lord, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you in your foreknowledge knew that we needed wisdom. And Lord, that you provided us a book that we can go to to Get all the counsel we need for every area of our life. And Lord, I ask that you would just continue daily, draw us into your word and speak to us. Lord, that we would truly trust you in every avenue of our life and look to you for all of life's decisions. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the precious blood that was shed on Calvary. And Lord, I thank you for the mercy and long suffering you've extended me in the long periods of time, Lord, that I just would not acknowledge you in the ways that I was going. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for bringing me back to you. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated here. And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, again, it's a wonderful verse. Many of you have it memorized. Uh, as you notice, there's some new scripture on the walls here. Uh, how many of you notice that? It's one of the things we notice that we don't talk about. Are we supposed to talk about that? Yeah, it's there. It's a purpose, and the purpose of these things and with the scriptures, not just to fill in big void spaces of brick, But it has a purpose. It has some message there that is supposed to help us in our daily life. It is scripture and thoughts that we can have and that we can retain and apply to our life and go forward walking with God. And so these are important things for us to remember and to bring before our memory. We know in the Old Testament that uh, the Jews would have that phylactery, right? And so they would have that thing between that little box with Scripture in it that would be before their eyes. And so it should always bring memory. And it's like, well, it needs to go from here and be in here. And that's sadly what happened too much with them. It became just an outward thing. And we don't want that to be in church. We just don't want that Scripture just to be an outward thing. Look at us. Look what we have. Uh, Isn't our building beautiful? It ought to be beautiful. It ought to be for the glory of God, but it has to be in our hearts. And seeking God should be a heart conviction. And knowing that he means what he says in his word. And so this this evening in 2 Samuel, let me get there. I'm still in Proverbs 3. Second Samuel chapter 21. We're going to look at and start with some verses, expository message here. Hopefully we can glean some things. And again, there's going to be several thoughts, maybe some twists and turns, and we'll just see how well it goes here. It starts in verse 1. Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And then it says, And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered it, it is for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. And so the focus on this first half of the, the verse here is, is that there's a famine for three years. There's a reason for it. Now, I, we clearly as a nation and a church, we are not Israel. But there are principles. There are things that God teaches that we can definitely look at in knowing the character of God. And God in in the book of Hebrews for us as saved individuals, the Lord will chasten His children. Yes, and He'll do it. It's, and I, I, I'm a believer in this, and I believe I've had this conversation with the pastor, and he, and he agrees with this. There's, there's a difference between judgment, wrath, and chastening. Yes. Yes, sir. And, and the Lord chastens His His, those that are saved, we, if we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, the Lord chastens us to draw us back into that perfect relationship and communion with the Lord. To be in that place of blessing and favor. And there's times that that can be lost because we are not trusting and following God in a way every day in the path that we should. I, I remember in... Some days of my rebellion. I knew the answer to the question that when I asked it, but it was, I'm sitting in a hospital bed and I'm having surgery for the, the, either the first or second time my, on my neck had been broke and I had to have it done twice. It didn't work the first time. I had to have it another time. And, and I'm there and I'm, I'm miserable and things aren't going my way. And I asked my dad, he says, why is this happening? I knew why in my heart, you know, but we ask rhetorical questions sometimes. I wasn't following God with my whole heart. I, I knew the ways of God. I knew Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I was taught that. I had been saved. I'd been born again. But I was choosing to go a little different way. And the Lord was chastening me. And I thank him for his mercy in his chastening, because it could have been far worse. They, they had, and I know Pastor and Sister Lynn, they were there. They remember the dark days there. They were with me. He's been a faithful friend to me. He was there during those dark times near 30 years ago now. It's been a long time. But at my, they told my wife, well, hes you're going to have to prepare yourself for a hard life. He's going to be a vegetable. Now, my father-in-law argues that nothing's changed, but hey. <laughs> but the truth is, God has been merciful. He's been... Good. My, my point as we see this is why, for David, he knows the character of God. Why, why would you go three years before inquiring of God? I, I mean, in Deuteronomy, the Lord taught Israel, Look, you're my people. I am bringing you into this land, and I am going to provide rain. Year after year after year, as long as you follow me and do as I say. So you would think after, you know, that first time of planting and you're expecting the rains and they don't come. David loved God. I'm not questioning him in this. But it seems like, Christian, we ought to be going to the Lord early in the process. When when we're seeing something not quite out Uh, that's out of place of what God has said, what is his character. Now, I understand we, as a church also, we go through some persecution. Paul went through some hard times. But you know that I'm reminded about him. He said, I sought the Lord thrice. He went to the Lord about the matter. We do need to go to the Lord. We do need to talk to him. Why would he go three years? The whole nation is suffering. I've challenged the young kids class. What would happen one year in North Carolina with no rain? It would be bad. I mean, this area depends on it heavily. Go a year, three years. We're needing some of them 40-year biscuits for sure. (laughs) Right? I mean, we're needing them. Because we're going to be hurting why would he go? God promised them in Deuteronomy, I'll bring the reins, but if there's transgressions as a nation, that is the thing I'm going to withhold. So it should be, as we know God and understand Him, that when there's things that come up, that we should seek Him early and say, God, why is this happening? Is it, am I out of, is my life not in the right path that you has planned? Is this something you're just bringing in my life to glorify you? We need to talk to God. We need to seek Him. We need to search Him and know Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Don't go three years and, well, we'll just see. Go to the Lord. We should have, as a nation, we should go to the Lord. Three years, Israel suffered hardship to the young and old by not just seeking God early. Oh, if we would look at these things in these scriptures and it would speak to our heart. And then the, the last half of verse 1 there, it says again, And the Lord answered, He does, the Lord will tell us, He speaks us through His word. You know, we don't have to say, where's the Lord God of uh, Elijah, right? The Lord does speak to us. If there's a dry time in your life, go into his word and seek him. Let him speak to you through your word. I understand their parts. Right now, we're going through the Bible calendar. And if you're in the Bible calendar, where are we at right now? Those first few chapters of First Chronicles. And I and I'm going name after name after name and after name, and I really look forward to when we get into the Psalm there and the Proverbs and the other the other parts of the New Testament, right? But even that you see a great history of people. And it's I'm not it needs to be in there. It's God's word, and there is purpose and place for all those things. But we need to see God. Let him speak to us, feed us. As it said, and the Lord answered, it is for Saul. It is interesting to me, three years of suffering, and it wasn't even David's fault. That's needless suffering. Sometimes we do go through some things needlessly. Let's seek God. Let's seek Him. He said, it is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites, and the children of Israel had sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. Hmm. You know, the thing is that we're going to see in through this that not trusting God has multi-generational consequences. Yes. And why it is so important in us as a, a church and families, mom and dad, bringing kids into the world, trust God. Trust God. There is drastic consequences not to. There is needless suffering, even in the ways that we saw in verse 1, just not going to God first in these things. Now, we have the introduction into this text of the Gibeonites. And you all remember, do you young people remember the Gibeonites? They're looking down, they're looking away, they're doing all those things, right? A dude's saying, don't call on me, Dad, don't, I'm doing this, I'm, I, I'm. right? Do We, we remember that, I, was, I believe I was here for Brother James when he was teaching that in Joshua, and we covered it with the kids in Sunday schools, we went through the book of Joshua, remember the Gibeonites, the people, as it said, of the Amorites, there are these people, these very people that... We're not supposed to be integrated into Israel. The Lord had warned them about. Here they are. Here they are. And now they're in trouble because of them. It's an interesting thing. They were to be removed from the land in Joshua's day. These people, the Gibeonites, had deceived and lied to Joshua is recorded in the book of Joshua chapter 9. Now Joshua, again, like David, Joshua is a good man. Joshua went through a lot of hard things. Joshua saw the hand of God do great things. He saw uh, the Lord bring Israel out of Egypt in with a very strong hand. He saw what he did at the parting of the Red Sea with Moses. He was there as general of the armies and seeing God do great victories. He personally, I believe, when you go into Joshua, Joshua was confronted with the captain of the Lord host, that that was a, that was a Christophany, that's Jesus Christ as captain of the Lord host, saying, I will go before you. I will be your guide. I will be your captain. I will make your enemies flee before you. He sought God time after time after time. And if there's such an important thing for us to learn, it says in that scriptures, in all thy ways. Look, just young people, get this. It says in all thy ways. It's not, well, I've done it eight times here. It's going good. I've got this. I'm going on autopilot. That one chance, that one time of going your own way, and not all thy ways acknowledged, just that one time of doing it your own way, saying, I've got this. You have a Gibeonite situation. And you have an alliance with the people that you weren't supposed to have an alliance with. And now, generations later, there's been a famine. And we're going to see it just doesn't stop there. It is a sad situation. You know, God is righteous in all that he does. And look, the fact is the Gibeonites got undeserved mercy. Israel made a covenant. Joshua made a covenant. And we see that there is a man that didn't want to honor it. But God did. And they didn't deserve it. That was a people that God had long suffering on for years, and even told he even told that to Abraham. You know, these Gibeonites, they had their alliance with their own kindred, their own kinfolk. You realize to do what they did with Joshua, they broke that. I mean, that's the character of this people. They they had no faithfulness. They had no loyalty in what they were doing. But God is faithful. God is loyal. He warned against these things. It is interesting that the Gibeonites that had wronged uh, Israel and deceiving them are now being wronged by a king. And when you look at this king, this king is clearly acting in his own pride. And time after time, we see Saul sadly going on in his own understanding. You know, he speaks of God from time to time. As we've read here recently, and you go through and he says, Hey, I did all the Lord commanded me. And Samuel's like, what's that sound in the background? That's the sound of disobedience. That's the sound of not trusting God completely. You know, sometimes we have a different view of full obedience and trusting God. Again, God says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Not just in part, not just in a few, in every aspect of our life. Saul struggled with that greatly. Saul, he did great things, and then he had epic failures by not trusting God. You know, I would say, and this is this is opinion. I will be clear with that. But it says here that uh, in this passage of scripture, sought, uh, Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. And I, I, I somehow I doubt it had to do with the unholy nature of these Gibeonites and Amorites. There was something there. There was a catalyst there that moved Saul against them. There was something in his life. I can't believe it was God, can you? Because why would God judge Israel for something that he did? There was something that he was acting unadvisably. There was something pushing him. There was something there that caused him to move. We know in the passage of Scripture as well, because of Saul's disobedience, because his Unwillingness to completely surrender to God and trust Him that He was vexed by an evil spirit. And that is clearly seen in First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. Again, these are just examples in scriptures you dissect it that we can look to the danger rot road in a person's life not following God completely. Full surrender in every way, every aspect of our life fully trusting in God. That you can get to a point and place in your life that what is influencing you and driving you to do things that clearly are against what even God said hands off. It's a sad place to be, but that's where we can get in our life if we don't fully trust God, truly get into his work, seek his counsel in every aspect of our life. Verse three, it says, wherefore, David said unto the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you And wherewith shall I make the atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? So he is recognizing that an injustice has been done. Again, it's interesting. It is an injustice that's been done to a people that have been unjust to God's people. But a covenant has been made. There has to be some form of satisfaction here, apparently. And David is going to them and asking this. Three years it took to come to this place. Now, there's some things in this that I find interesting. And I wonder if you see this as well. We have been pointing out, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Who? Okay, God. Do you not find it, I found this, this just stood out to me. Do you not find it interesting that in this situation With these people that now have been wronged that he didn't go to God and ask, What should we do? I I know it just it just stood out to me as like in all our ways acknowledge him, shouldn't he be going to the Lord and saying, Okay, Lord, yes, we we sinned. These Gibeonites, what do we do? But he goes to the Gibeonites. He poses to them the question. In this, he said, "What shall I do for you? And where shall I make the atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord?" He is asking them. I, look, I, again, I find this interesting in many ways. That one, there is no evidence that I can find, and, and I'd be happy if if one of the brethren that are very learned in the Word of God, and, and if one's that's going to mine it out and dig it out, it's going to be Brother Ben Smoker. I know that. But where do we see that the Gibeonites have ever acknowledged God as being their God? They're they're my God. They're our God. They've lived in the land. They've been in a place of servitude. They have got to enjoy the blessings by de facto or default because of Israel. But where do we ever see they're really making God their God? I, I can't find it. I, I don't see it in Scripture. There is a point to that. I know I just made a big point that I don't see that part of God. But there is a point. Look, the Lord has told us that we don't seek the world and their wisdom in things. We go to God. Anytime we're going to go to the table for, to do some kind of negotiations or some kind of involvement, the pastor's been asking, pray even, as we go and decide what we need to do at the radio station. And I know there's some people involved that are Christian there, but you know, we need the wisdom in God in every aspect of our life. Every aspect of life. Just because they're good people... Just because they grew up in church, just because, you know, they have some background because of these things. We need to still seek God in everything we do. Let's trust Him. Let's lean on His wisdom as we enter in these things that have already created so many problems in a nation. See, I, I think three years of famine, that the suffering in famines, people die. That's just the fact. In famines, there are pestilence, there are diseases, there are these things that happen. It is with great hurt. Don't you think that in a situation like this, that there needs to be resolution, that we should say, God, what do we do? Look, because people without the Lord are, are people that are not following the direction of the Lord. They're not living according to the the, the tenets of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. They're not on the same path you are. We need to seek the one that is guiding our steps on the path that we are to follow. Look, people that aren't following God aren't going to give a rational answer to a solution. I think if we... You know, I I tried not to get a little political in Sunday school. I said a few things. Not going to try to now. But the fact is, we're not seeing rational things take place in our government today because there's no true following God. There is no love for Him. I mean, we there isn't a person in here that's saved that does not shake their head and saying, "How did you come to that conclusion?" I'll digress. I am, I am blown out of my mind that we have a crisis with money in our country and the solution that we come to is to suspend the debt limit and trust a government with that? Are, are we that dumb? Especially with a currency and things that say in God we trust. No, we don't. Anyways, I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just nuts. And then a couple of politicians that actually stand up and say it's nuts, they get repudiated by their own party. Shame on them that cast stones at them for having some sense. Okay, we digressed. They don't make rational decisions, that's clear, very clear. Look, faithfully following Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 would include, I, I hope we can learn this, we, we go to God, He teaches us, He shows us some things, whatever it is, even if it's chastening. Look, we can, we can get ourselves in a hole, and the Lord is getting our attention, and He's chasing us. And we're like, yep. Now, when we get to that thing and we see the problem, let us not take on the way out on our own. Well, I'm just going to do this, this, and this. Why don't we get our knees before God and say, God, come on. Yeah. Come on. how do we resolve this? Yeah. Yeah. It's taken me a lot of years. I'm in my 50s. I'm not the smartest person on earth. I have been hard-headed as they come. But I'm glad maybe it's because of being weary and tired and things. And as even as pastor and I work together on things, it's like, let's just pray God will work this out. Because that's not just trying to be staples or whatever it is and have the red easy button. I just find that it's way better just asking God, please intervene. Lord, please orchestrate a solution to this problem. Lord, I admit, I humbly surrender that I created this mess. And, and Lord, I'm glad you brought it to my attention. I'm glad you did what you needed to do to bring me to this point. But Lord, please, what's the solution? What, what do I got to do? Boy, if we could, young people at your age, if you could get a handle on that now, you're going to find life go better for you. As not as the preacher pointed out, in a Joel Osteen way, but in a true godly way and biblical way. Oh, that we would trust Him for a solution. Then in these next few verses here quickly, the time is going rather fast verses 4 through 6, and it says, And the Gibeonites said unto him, We will have no silver, nor gold, of Saul, nor of his house. Neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, What ye shall say, that will I do for you. And they answered the king, the man that consumed us, and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coast of Israel. Let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them. Wow. I I, I read that and... I have read the scripture several times, and again, it wasn't until this last week, this whole thing really jumped out of me. I don't know if it's because we're going through a time that we're seeing uh, so much desire for uh, payment for past atrocities. Have you notice how that's just coming up more and more and more and more? It, it, it's just a, an amazing thing. And I think we should consider some things here. First off, in this passage, in these verses, they will, they say clearly that financial compensation will not satisfy their grievance. That will not satisfy. There's not enough money in the world that can do this. And I don't care what it is in our life when we've been hurt and there's going to be always those, even us as Christian, if we'll humble ourselves and look, we're either going to find our place in life where we have been wronged or we have wronged somebody. It's going to happen from time to time. And when it happens, we need to see God. We need to look to Him. We need to call upon Him because It just, it's just not going to work. There is not going to be financial compensation. As they even said, this is worldly representation. They're saying that, that's not enough. Now, I know we live in a time where they're putting a price on it. We have people saying, yeah, $3 million will satisfy. $5 million, I've seen in some states, give me $5 million and that will satisfy the grievance that I have against a country that has so wronged our people 150 years ago, we forget about the hundreds of thousands of lives that died to set them free. We forget about a whole lot of other things. It's amazing that people that have a disconnect for grievances from past generations do seem to be willing to put a price on that. But the person that has actually been hurt... Cannot. Now, there was a time when they just wanted freedom and liberty. We do not look at history very clearly sometimes. Another thought in this passage here is, that I find interesting, is that the king responsible for this was already dead. Dead. You realize it was Saul that did this. It was Saul that moved against him. The Gibeonites. He's already dead. Three of his sons died with the Philistines there. One of the, in my opinion, a man in Scripture that I have great respect for and, and love is, is Jonathan. A good man died needlessly. Because of Saul not trusting God, Saul not doing right, you see again the consequences, the things that are taking place, see all the interactions now that are taking place, all the various families and generations. And even this now, the Gibeonites, uh, of where they're going in order to find some kind of satisfaction, it was not enough for them that Saul was dead. It was not enough that Jonathan was dead and his two brothers. It was not enough. It wasn't going to satisfy their hurt. It was not enough. Again, not trusting God. God. So many deaths, so many lives, so much suffering. The third thought in this is somehow they thought that the death of the sons of the ones that wronged them would somehow be the only thing that could satisfy their hurt. In verse 6, look what they say. In the middle of the verse, it says, "...whom the Lord did choose." I think it's a fascinating thought. Do we not hear today people blaming God for everything? Yes. Well, it's God's fault this happened. If the Lord hadn't picked Saul, this would not have happened. We wouldn't have went through that what we did. But you know, since the Lord did that, and Saul went and did this to us, then you know, it's only right. It's not enough that Saul's dead. Blaming God. And it is something that we hear so frequently in the days we live in today. But again, I don't see where David consults God. We just see him making the decision to say, I will give them. It says in verse 7, but the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. We know why. Again, the protection of a covenant. <laughs> Wonderful true story in passage of Scripture. There's three times, really, you can see where Mephibosheth is spared by mercy. God has been good to him. There is so much that we can see in ourselves as Christians in the life of Mephibosheth. It says in this verse, "...because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bare unto Saul... Uh, Armoni, and this is a second Mephibosheth, and it says, "In the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzilla, the Mehalelite, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord, and they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest. So here we see as we come to the final thoughts in this passage of Scripture, there was no thought at all given to how would be affected by their request. None. The ask of the people, it was just, we want to be satisfied. There was no thought of who's going to suffer at these hands of ours. Who was going to go through grief? Who was going to go through these great trials? None at all. See, not trusting God just continues to perpetrate hurt after hurt after hurt through generation after generation after generation. And that's why there is so much suffering in the world today. It's because we don't look to God We don't call upon Him. There is needless suffering. I understand sin. But there is needless suffering because a world will not turn to God and trust Him. There is needless suffering because we just will not look at God's Word and go to Him. We will not humble ourselves. Look, the God has clearly said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That, that's not just an Israel, that's, that's Bible. That's for nations, that's for people. Great peace have they which love thy law. does not it, it the word of God see, speak of that. These are truths that God gives. These are promises that he has. When we don't do, look to God and go his way, there is nothing but just hurt that continues to propagate through a world. I a second thought in these verses we read, I see no mention. I don't see any inference. I don't see any implication. I don't see anything here that mention that the Gibeonites themselves were appeased in their hearts. I, I, I don't see it. Because the fact of the matter is, very rarely does that happen. Very rarely does it happen. My wife showed me a video of friends, friends of the Mitchells as well, the Holton family. Their son was honored. He, he was killed in Iraq. He was served in the United States Army. And they honored him with his name being put on a, a big major building at the Army Reserves. And they were doing a dedication service, memorial service, And even after these years, I believe it was 2007 that he was killed, right around that period of time, and the parents, rightly so, still grieve in their hearts for the loss of their son. They know their son's in heaven, but I'm saying the hurt is still there. Look, Iraq... We took care of business there. We can argue the rights and wrongs and all those other things, but, uh, you know, Saddam is gone and all those other stuff has happened. Thousands of lives have been obliterated off the face of the earth, but that personal hurt and suffering that a good family went through is still there in their heart. It's just a fact that's human nature. That's the way these things are with us. I know they are with me. This just stands out to me. Clearly, this wasn't just a simple thing with Rizba, as you see in verse 10. And Rizba, the daughter of Aiah, took sack life and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor uh, by, them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. This, this lady's out there for months, day and night. that's grief. That's sorrow of heart. That's anguish and turmoil that this lady was put through. I don't know everything about her life, but what her uh, family had done generations ago was not her fault. She didn't issue the order, she wasn't there. But the only satisfaction another individual and in a people that were hurt was they wanted to see her suffer and hurt. Hard truth. It just keeps going and going and going. So, what stops this cycle? Trusting God. Trusting God. Even when we've been wrong, trusting God. That is the great message of salvation. It's what heals the hurting hearts. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 is the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking of his ministry to his people of the reason he came it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, not just bodily, but in our spirit, in our heart. Deliverance from the things that we've been wronged with will never be satisfied by external things. It will only come through Christ. The cycle of suffering and hurt can only be extinguished with putting trust in Jesus Christ the thing to stop that continuation of it is us as a people to trust God. Oh, that we would not put our, pay, our family, our children through needless hardships because our heart is hard and we won't trust God. Oh, that we would trust Him. Just total trust with all our heart. Look, we have seen some examples of this, and I know I need to wrap this up. We've seen Chad Wells, that him and his wife were wronged as missionaries. They were hit by a drunk driver. And there had to be some things in his spirit saying, we need a little bit of, you know, satisfaction. But even in the moment of all that, with the spirit of the Lord in him and on him, he's saying, spare that man's life. Oh, it's got to start in situations like that, Christian. Forgiveness and mercy, even in anguish of soul and spirit and brokenness of heart, to stop the cycle from going on to somebody else. My wife and I, I say privilege, I say it, it was a privilege, but it was, I will admit it was probably the hardest thing I ever heard a missionary testify. A couple years ago, a missionary that was serving, and I'm going to be careful on not divulging name and everything else. This man and his wife and children were serving in a nation. The nation was in turmoil There was some great, a great coup. There was just all kinds of problems coming up. And the people were stirred against them as missionaries and being Americans. And they came into their house. They, they abducted him, took him out. They're beating him. They left his boys and his wife in the house. And that there were some men that in front of this man's sons completely, repeatedly abused his wife. And I'm listening to this, and I'm honest to God, I'm getting sick to my stomach. And as I'm hearing this, I'm like, where are the guns? I my spirit, my soul's, I'm like, there, there's got to be retribution. There has got to be, somebody's got to pay for this. And he continues But somehow this Jesus Christ whom we preach and hopefully we believe and firmly is established in our hearts that within a year him and his wife and family are back in the ministry in this same country and these same people and he's in a church preaching the gospel and he says that a man came forward to receive Christ that his wife recognized as one of the men. and they wept as they shared the gospel with this man and extended from their own hearts forgiveness. That's Christ. That's Christ. So as Christians, ourselves, in our life, can we not... Be as instructed to us in Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Nothing, nothing, nothing can satisfy the hurt. Just trust God and have that gracious, merciful, forgiving spirit just like Christ has had with us. And for the sake of the generations that are coming up, Let's stop the cycle of hurt. Let's put an end to it. Look in our, in our homes and our marriages. Let, let's put an end to it. Let's put an end to this, stop, this cycle. There is a hymn as I was considering this message and the last thoughts of this. It says, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. He's the one that can care for us and take care of these things. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus.